Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, hello, everyone. This is episode 262 with Sean Morrison, and I'm just talking to you ahead of the episode because I really, really enjoyed this episode. There's a slight echo throughout the episode, but please go through the the uh, podcast because it's really a fascinating one, and I love Sean's story. So check it out, enjoy, and I apologize for the echo. In a world where very few people embrace their global identity and seek to understand their neighbors, cross-cultural expert Tayo Roxon is on a mission to bridge this divide. Each week, he'll open your mind with insights from some of the global minds in the world. Get ready, take some notes, and learn how to be the best you that you can be. Welcome everybody to another episode of As Told by Nomads, and today's guest is Sean Morrison. Sean Morrison is the CEO of Collective Mobile, which develops mobile applications for startups, entrepreneurs, and agency. The company has a dozen employees, and most of them engineers, and it's recently celebrated over six years of, of business. So I'm very, very excited to have her here because not only is she someone who is changing the face of diversity in tech, but she's also someone who's incredibly multicultural, which is a lot of what you listeners have come to appreciate in some of the guests. So I'm excited to hear our perspectives on, on several things ranging from pop culture to, to uh, technology. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. The pleasure is mine. Now, every great leader has a beginning. They have a story. You know, all of them have, have all started from somewhere. And as I'm uncovering your, your journey as this hero, this folk hero, uh, Sean, I would like you to take me back to the beginning when you, when you got started on Earth and how you traveled all over the world to get to where you are. When I got started on Earth. Man, that's, that's, how much time do we have? <laughs> Uh, well, uh, it, it, it started, uh, let's see, uh, well, I come from, I come from a fairly uh, multicultural family. So my father is from Curacao, uh, which is the Dutch Netherlands Antilles. And my mother is from Montserrat, which is a small uh, British island um, in the Caribbean, uh, which is kind of interesting. If you want to take it back a step, my father's 
mother is actually from the Dominican Republic. So my father grew up speaking a mixture of papimento, which is like, you know, Dutch patois and Spanish. Uh, so uh, I was conceived apparently on Curacao, but on the way back to Montserrat, I decided it was time to make my arrival. So I was born on Antigua, which is uh, an island, which I guess it's, you know, maybe about 20, 20 miles from Montserrat. So it's pretty, pretty close to almost being home, but didn't quite make it. You know, as my mom likes to say, I just had to be different. So that's where, that's where I was born uh, shortly after then. Um, I have some basic memories of being on Montserrat for quite some time, but not, not that much. Uh, we moved to St. Thomas, Virgin Islands uh, after that. And so uh, I would say that my formative years were spent on St. Thomas. And then when I was 12, I moved to New York City. So wow. the early years. Wow. Wow. Well, you, you know, New York City is where I reside right now. So I, am, I have a very great affinity for New York City. Yeah. I'm in uh, Washington Heights. You said Dominican. You said your dad had some Dominican roots. I'm in the Dominican area of, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of New York. <laughs> well, when uh, when we, yeah, when I got to uh, when when my brother and I, I have a younger brother, we we got to uh, to New York. We my dad was living at the time on Staten Island, so mm. you just think about what a culture shock that was oh. for two two kids from from the West Indies with our little accents you know, coming into, uh, you know, working class Italian and Irish uh, neighborhood on Staten Island with very, very few African-Americans or black people around. So that I, I don't even think I don't even think Staten Island made it to the map until Wu-Tang Clan came out. Right. <laughs> nobody knew that they were like, <laughs> so that true. Was, yeah, nobody even thought about, you know, those of us living on Staten Island until Wu-Tang put us on the map. But yeah, it was it was seriously a culture shock for my brother and I. <laughs> well, well, talk about that that culture shock. How did you uh, get out of that? How did you find comfort with you know foreign environments and all the accent changes and code switching that you must have done? Oh well, I think you know. I, I would I will say one thing is that um, we had a, we had a hard time adjusting because we definitely did have our little our little island accents, and I think. One of one of the things that I remember uh, distinctly was every single day this kid would come up to me and ask me if I was from Africa. Like every single day he would ask me the same question. And it was interesting because Africa wasn't something that was in my consciousness. I knew I wasn't from there, but I didn't even know where it was. You know what I mean? In terms of like, I mean, I was 11, so I wasn't thinking like, you know what I mean? But it was just so interesting that he sort of, made that connection and decided that that's where we were from and decided to put that question to me literally every day. Um, and so it was sort of, it was very interesting because, at, you know, right from the beginning, uh, I was aware that I was different, right? I was other. Um, and I'm, I'm a lot darker than my brother is. So it was sort of very, it was very obvious that I wasn't, I wasn't just black American, that I was something else. So I think that's what this kid picked up on. But for me as well, um, part of, part of how we tried to fit in was trying to sound like everyone else and trying to speak like everyone else. And that is something that my dad always made like very clear that he did not want us to pick up the slang that the other kids were using. He always 
was very clear about wanting us to speak proper English, you know, and, and in his mind, that was to A, to lose the accent. I mean, we could certainly, you know, you do learn to, it comes out when you're with your own, right? So in the house, it's fine. But outside of the outside of the home, it was very clear. Uh, and it was made abundantly clear to us that it was it was all about speaking proper English. And I think that was that was sort of a way to protect us so that people wouldn't you know what I mean? They wouldn't hold yeah. anything against you. And so it became sort of like when you talk about code switching, I mean, you know, when you're amongst West Indians, then, you you know, you speak you speak in that way. But then when you're amongst the black Americans to fit in, you, you got to learn the slang and you got to speak the slang. And then when you you know what I mean? And then when you're in school, oh, then you do speak I. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, you know, you learn to do the dance. But I think that that sort of serves you later in life, because, you know, I mean, I think all uh immigrants learn to code switch in some way but when you're talking about moving amongst so many different circles sometimes literally within the course of a week or a few days i think that lends to your adaptability later on in life so i can i can say with a fair amount of certainty that that has served me uh, very well absolutely you know when people ask me you know they hear about my background and you know i only have a a passport and I have to do a lot of work to convince them that I'm Nigerian, but they, they're always like, no way, no way. But they, I always ask me, what is it that you value the most from your upbringing? And I always say it's my ability to adapt because, yeah. you know, it, it, the code switching, they're going back and forth. And I, you know, even through that formative period, it might've been hard. I remember people questioning why my hair was curly or why I did, why I looked the way I did. And then you fast forward now to the entrepreneurship environment, to media and to, being able to connect with several people across cultures, it serves, uh, it, it's, it's served me in a way that I can sort of create that open platform and say, okay, I can see where you're coming from. Maybe we should focus on this so that you get that story out there because you, you identify Absolutely. Without, without having yeah. to do that. Yeah. No, no, I, I love that. I love that you're sharing this experience because, you know, once again, it, what we're trying to promote here is the global identity. And in the world that we live in today, there, there's so much, uh, division <laughs> and they're right and, it, right. and it's, it's hard for people to deal with nuance and and that's what i'm trying absolutely to offer. yeah um and you, you touched on it there a little bit you said people would talk to you and they they, they would say you're you from africa and then with me mm -hmm. uh, you know it's i i am actually african and then i mm -hmm. i know every time i walk out the the door i'm african-american in america right i just, I just know right. that's, the, that's the assumption and then and I'm also an Africa, African in diaspora, but there's a unique distinction, distinction with Caribbeans, Africans, and African Americans, and they have oh, slightly yeah. different experiences. And it's one of those, one right. of the, I want to do a book on that one day. It's one of those experiences where I, I feel like too many people just group everyone in the same way and they don't think that there is a, you know, it's not a monolith. There's so oh, many absolutely. different experiences. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, when, even when you start to consider, uh, you know, the, the African influence in South America, you're, you're it's a whole, the, the, the diaspora is, is vast and our differences are yeah. wide and our experiences yeah. vary as well. Um, so yeah, that, that is, you can, you can write a, a very big book. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would be good. I mean, I think our, a lot of our history isn't being told, you know, we have a lot of, uh, history that's, that's, uh, incomplete. And one of the things mm -hmm. that I love about hidden figures, which is my favorite movie last year, it was, it was, uh, mm -hmm. it was, it was for many reasons. It was just, I, I, I watched it with, 
with excitement, with pride, and then with anger all simultaneously. I was like, how did I not learn about this when I learned about Neil Armstrong, right? How did I not know this? Exactly. And how is, it, how is exactly. she getting celebrated? Yeah, how is she getting celebrated when she's 90 or something? So it just makes us, just makes me realize that we still have a lot of, you know, connecting the dots. And, and we need to do oh, that in film. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, but film needs to do a better job. And speaking of film, you actually studied film at NYU. You dreamed of creating projects that would inspire people, and you you still do that now. But I'm curious as to why film initially for you. Uh, because um, see, so if 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 we take it back a little bit uh, before film, I went to I went I did a high school of art and design in New York, and uh, in in high school we were allowed to I, I don't even know if they do this anymore, but we literally were allowed to. Uh, just like uh, university, we were allowed to declare a major and literally spend half of the day doing that and immersing ourselves in that. And that for me just opened up a whole new, you know, a whole new world. Like I hear a lot of people now saying, uh, I never knew that, you know, I could make money as a designer or as a photographer. I thought it was just like a hobby. Um, those were things that I was doing in high school. You know, we were developing uh, negatives. We were doing illustration. We were doing calligraphy and, you know, watercolors. And, and so my major at the time was media, but I also learned about all of the other arts. And so media basically was was the media arts, you know, video and, and, and film and that kind of stuff. And so for me, being in New York, um, the natural progression of that was to go to NYU because it was uh, – I think it still is actually one of the best film schools um, in the in the United States. I'm sure there, there are others now, but back when I was thinking about film school, it was really just about um, NYU and I think USC. Um, and I think I might have also applied to the San Francisco Art Institute or something like that. But getting into NYU for film was, um, you know, it was it was right around the time of like you know uh, what was that Spike Lee movie? Um, Do the right thing, man. Do the right thing. <laughs> yeah. And so it was a time, you know, it was a time when we were just starting to see films that were really starting to speak to the black experience um, in in the United States. And I just I just totally fell in love with with it, with storytelling. And and, you know, I wrote scripts all the time. And and so, uh, yeah, I went to NYU. I thought I was going to be the next Spike Lee or or John Singleton um or maybe a, a precursor to Ava DuVernay. But, uh, you know, the thing is, I, I, I went west and I got as far as the Bay Area and I fell into technology. And that was kind of like I, I took a diversion. I didn't I didn't do anything film related for quite some time. I did make my way back. And I'm still super passionate about film and filmmaking. And I love what's happening in the industry now. Um, and I love how technology is actually democratizing the, the film industry, right? Because yeah. it's cheaper now to make a film. And I remember being in, being in college and, you know, us having these long drawn out discussions about, are we going to shoot this on video? Video is shit. You know, are we, we're going to have to shoot it on film because film is so authentic. You know what I mean? I mean, we literally had those conversations and now it's kind of like, just shoot it. Just shoot it and get it done. You can yeah. apply all of that later. You know, you can make it look like film later. So Absolutely. it's just, it's just, it's, it's a, it's great to see the progression. Um, that, that that the film industry, I mean, obviously still a long time to go, but the stories that are being told now are just so rich in terms of uh, 
the, the, the black experience uh, that it's it's fantastic to see. Uh, so who knows? I'll probably make my way back to film at some point. Oh, for sure. I'm definitely feeling that itch. Yeah, no, no. I mean, but the thing is, you're doing an amazing thing. You're still staying true to your goal, which is you're creating human connections and your vehicle now is technology. And even, you know, right. you went to NYU and NYU, speaking of NYU, they've had a great year. You know, Marshall Ali. Yeah. Yeah, supporting yes. actor. Sterling K. Brown from This Is Us, which is my favorite That's show right. on TV right now. <laughs> you, you, also you, know went what, there. you know what my favorite thing to say is? Is that nobody does the emo black man like Sterling K. Brown. He can oh. make me cry with just, you know what I mean? He's yes. so good at evoking emotion. Oh. It is fantastic. It's oh, like, no. Yeah, as, a, as an alumni of NYU, I get all the emails about how many, how many NYU alumni were, you know, nominated for oscars and tonys and acting awards and it is yeah it's fantastic yeah you you must be really really proud i mean the only thing i got my mba at fordham i mean you know denzel went to fordham that's the only thing i could say so i'm just just gonna drop the the mic mic right there (laughs) 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 but um um, let's go to to the vehicle that you're using right now, because it's a very, very big conversational topic. We talk about diversity in tech almost every day, whether it's with Uber, with their interesting, um, interesting year they've had, or other people with publishing diversity reports and not making inroads with the gender and racial diversity. What do you think is the problem as someone who has a company called Collective Mobile, which we'll talk about later? In the industry and you in the Silicon Valley and you've launched all these amazing um, initiatives. So what is the actual problem with diversity in tech? They don't want to do it. Um, I mean, I think... <laughs> okay. <laughs> Look, I'm just going to be really, really honest with you. I, I, saw a, uh, I saw a video a while back and so uh, I'm going to use this, this phrase, but it's not attributed to... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Me and I forget who, who, said, who said it originally. And, and the person said um, the easiest way to hire Black and Latino uh, people is just to hire them. It's not hard. <laughs> and so the, the excuse is that there's, no, there's the pipeline problem, but I don't think that that's true. There are a significant m- number of computer science graduates coming out of HBCUs and other universities. And so I think if there really was a desire 
to, 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 to solve, and I'm using air quotes so you can't hear me, if there really was a, a firm desire to solve the quote-unquote diversity and inclusion problem, it would have already been solved. These are smart people using smart computers to do smart things. This is not a huge problem that's not solvable. It's completely solvable, and if they wanted to solve it, it could have already been solved. So, um, you know, I think that part of it is like, we just need to start our own companies and hire our own people. I think, I think that's what it comes down to, basically. Um, I think we're asking the wrong people to do, to do this for us. And I don't, I don't think they have a huge, it's not a huge priority for them, to be honest. Yeah. It's just yeah, not. Yeah. I, you know that's what I've noticed? That's just my opinion. Might be no, harsh, no. It is it's what fine. it is. You know? No, I, I want you to express your opinion. And, and you know, so I, uh, what, a lot of what I do with my company, um, UID management is diversity and inclusion work and working with these companies. And, the thing that does frustrate me the most is too many companies are reactive instead of proactive, right? You, you only do it as a right, means right. not to get into trouble or as, or when you do get into trouble. And that I agree with you that there isn't a pipeline shortage is you have to consider your sources. You know, if, if you're exactly. basing it off of referrals and exactly. the company looks one way, well, I don't know how you would expect that. But, you know, you go to the HBCU, you start younger, you make a, you make relationships, you establish human <laughs> relationships exactly. with some of the affinity exactly. groups and say, hey, look, we've got this amount right. of people. We want to hire from your area. We can do an internship program for you. You know, just there are many ways, right? Yeah. So it's just. There are many ways. There are many yeah. ways. And I mean, how many billions of dollars in cash is Apple sitting on right now? I mean, this is not. They can throw money at this problem. The problem is solvable. Um, but I don't. I just don't think it's a huge, huge priority. Uh, at the moment so uh, well hopefully you know some of us just need to go ahead sorry i'm hoping to 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 help you know make sure that we change that narrative and you're doing a good job with that um talk to us about collective mobile so collective mobile is uh my software development company that i started uh as you said about six years ago this is our seventh year uh i started it in 2010 uh, uh, after just sort of being a little, you know, ready to try something different. I had done pretty much the same thing, uh, as, as I, you know, as, as running a, a, a mobile subsidiary, working with engineers, creating products, that kind of stuff. I'd done it for someone else. Um, and I, I, I'd been fairly successful at it. And so, you know, and here's that immigrant thing again, right? Why, why not just go off and do it <laughs> for yourself? Right. And I, I do credit sort of, you know, being an immigrant with, with giving me the drive and determination to do that. Not that if you're not an immigrant, you can't do it, but I definitely know that, you know, the adaptability and, and, and that drive where you're, you're, you're literally, it's drilled into your head every day that you have to make something out of nothing. Um, I think that definitely um, drove me to to take the risk uh, to try to start my own company. I'm fortunate that I chose a an industry like mobile that I had a lot of faith in that I really thought was going to take off. Um, and if you if you it's just so funny sometimes uh, now I talk with friends that knew me back when before I started Collective Mobile and they were like, we're so glad that you did that because you just wouldn't shut up about mobile. You were just like, everything was mobile. It's all you ever talked about and it just got really annoying. And so we're really glad that you actually went off and started your company because we didn't want to hear anymore about how mobile was going to take over the world because it's all you ever spoke about. So I'm just really fortunate that I, you know, a lot of small businesses don't succeed. They don't last very long. And so 
I'm just super uh, thankful and grateful that I'm still here doing doing what I'm doing with the company. No, no, and I'm grateful for you because you, you're showing people that they can do it. And you're right, mobile is that buzzword, one of the buzzwords that people talk about. We were just talking about how people can make movies on that. You know, we have YouTube right. stars, stars that are being formed in that. So as a team that's primarily full of engineers, you've got a lot of engineers on, on your team. What are the, yes. the interesting projects that you're working on right now? Uh, hmm. How do I answer that without giving giving away all of oh. my time <laughs> secrets? Okay. okay, well, you, you, well, don't, have to, you don't have to give is, away the secret. You don't have to give away the secret, but I, I'm interested. What I can in, say is, this. yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I can, I can, I can, I can say that. Uh, what What is interesting now to to watch um, uh, and to observe that's happening? A in terms of um, the kind of clients that we have and the kind of work that we're doing. I am really excited because we've we've gotten in some new work that has that is how do I put this uh, with this with this new administration and what's happening politically uh, in our country and 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 really in the world what we're seeing is people really starting to think about how to use mobile to affect change and that has been really awesome to see and so a lot of the projects that we're working on right now. Uh, are focusing on on how to do that and how to mobilize people uh, using technology to make a difference and to, to 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 get them to be more involved in in issues that they that they care about. Uh, so that's what we're doing a lot more of now that we that we weren't doing before. So I think before we worked a lot more with agencies, a lot of startups, um, a lot of uh, consumer consumer brands, and now. I feel like we're doing, it's a little more balanced in terms of uh, what I'm calling impact projects. Uh, they're starting to, they're starting to increase. And that is, that is for me um, as a person who's passionate about technology, it's, 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 it's the perfect marriage of both, right? It's, it's yeah. yes, technology great, but I don't need another app that's, you know, I don't need another taxi app. What I really want to see is how, we're, how we're harnessing this, this power, these, algorithms it's mobile you know to really kind of change things and so that's starting to happen and it's really exciting to be a part of that hey no good make sure you check collective mobile out uh, ladies and gentlemen and it's collective with a k right <laughs> correct correct yes so, so collectivemobile.com uh be sure to check that out and I, I love i love exactly what you're saying it's you know the internet is this great wild wild west but also an equalizer and what's happening in the world is not just limited to the United States. My, you know, my country, Nigeria, just freed what sixty-two of the over two hundred girls that were kidnapped three years ago. Yeah, which is, which yeah, is, I saw that. It's a ridiculous thing that it's taken three years, but that's a. Anyways, um, that's another rant. Better, better late the, than never, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but the reason I brought that up is they had to exchange um, some of the prisoners that they they had kidnapped in exchange for the girls. So. There are so many stories aren't being explored, but whenever these stories pop up, I think people just say, oh, yeah, that's not that happened two years ago. And I think what mobile can do is keep all these stories in people's consciousness to say, like, we've got to put more pressure on people so that these ladies don't just spend there. We don't forget about them. So um, right. that's one of the right. things why I love mobile is there. And then the other thing is that um, the division is not just the United States. It's in Europe. Yeah. But it's in, in yeah. Netherlands, in France, in Germany, um, you know, in different parts of the world. You, 
can see what's happening in Korea, you can see everywhere. We have the chance to impact change and drive culture in more ways than we could ever do uh, before. And your platform and people like you are staying at the forefront to partner up with people that are, have the capability to make an impact is really, really important. So I just wanted to commend you on that. I'm trying. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> no problem. No problem. Uh, I'll make sure I put that uh, in the show notes, the links to your company. But I um, want to talk to you about uh, what we talked about before we started recording. You, you said something that really struck me. You talked about how people of color drive culture and how it translates differently mm-hmm. across uh, boundaries. Could you elaborate? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that, uh, yes, I can elaborate, um, but I don't, I don't think that's a new concept. Uh, so when I, when I say that, that comes directly from my personal experience of, of having lived abroad and understanding and seeing with my own eyes, you know, having grown up in New York, um, you know, hip hop came out of New York, right? Uh, I think arguably hip hop is one of the biggest exports globally that, you know, that, that, that comes out of the United States. And I was in, I was in Berlin, I think, um, and I heard, I heard this Tupac song coming like with so much bass coming out of a car coming down the street. And mind you, I'd been in Berlin for like two days. I'd not seen another person of color and not seen another black person for sure. And just hearing that lifted my spirits because I was like, I know there's some brothers coming down in this car. Like it just has to be right. And sure enough, the car pulls up and it's like a bunch of Turkish guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it was just so awesome because then it opened up. It First of all, it was just kind of like I saw them and they literally just saw me. I was so happy to see them, even though they weren't they weren't African-Americans. And we started talking and I was like, you know, t- talk to me a little bit about like what you're listening to. Like, this is so awesome. And they just really talked about how they identified with the struggle. Right. They understood. They understood when Tupac talked about his struggle as a man and a black man in America, they directly related to that. And I think that that's super important for us to pay attention to as Americans, whether you emigrated here or not, you now become a part of the culture. Right. Uh, because I, Issa Rae is uh, she's, you know, she, her, I think her her family from uh, is it is it. I don't know, Senegal or something like that. But you know what I mean? You come here and you bring your experiences here and it all gets assimilated into the culture and then it all gets re-exported, right? You've got your own twist on it. And I think it's something to pay attention to that we are we are driving global conversations. We're driving the way that people dress, the way that people talk, the way that people sing. That's all affected by that's all black culture that we're that we're exporting. And so I think it's really important, particularly for young people, um, in this time when you know horrible things are happening with happening with police and 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 young black men. But it's important to understand that we really are driving that global culture. And so I think. I think that's why I always encourage um, young people to leave the country if they can, to go abroad, to see the impact that the culture has globally, um, and to and to just to also start talking to people, you know, about that. I think it opens up it opens up avenues for communication and learning and understanding amongst different cultures. Yeah. No. No. Um, that's well, well said, uh, and and the whole premise of you know, embracing the global mindset is being 
open-minded enough to understand that your culture is not better than another culture is that there's, you know, there's, there's something you can learn from someone else and there's something that you can teach as well. So it's, it's that give and right. take. Yeah, absolutely. And everyone takes it, you know, they take it and they put their own spin on it. Right. So, you know, there's a, there's grime in, in, in the UK that is a, you know, you could consider that a subset of other forms of, of black culture as well, but you have a large Caribbean population in, in, in England, you know, that are doing their own thing as well, but we, we all, we all give and take. And so it's really important to, to just, you know, keep those touch points and keep those conversations going. Absolutely, absolutely. See, that I knew that I knew it was going to be great. I wanted you to share that. You, you, you brought that perspective. That uh, as we wrap up, you've written uh, a few things in the form of essays or book. Um, could you talk about how this is an expression of your personality? Well, um, an expression of my personality. I'm a Gemini, so Gemini's are uh, in from from what I hear. <laughs> anyway, we are, we are masters of communication. So I, I like to have a lot of different outlets to express myself uh, when I'm not making videos or making apps. Uh, then I like to write and I like to share my thoughts on things. And uh, I'm super passionate about not only technology, um, but, but design as well. And so I've written two books on design. Uh, the first one is uh, uh, Design for iOS, Learn Design for iOS. And the second one is a book uh, called Design for iOS with Sketch, which is a graphics program uh, that's that's quickly um, uh, rivaling Photoshop uh, as the de facto standard for UI design, mobile and web. So I wrote the first book on Sketch, uh, and uh, I've got another book that probably will be published by the end of this year, um, all about emoji, actually. So uh, I try to stay busy. <laughs> Nice, nice, nice. And where can, where can we find out if you want to connect to you personally? Where can we reach out to you? Best place to reach out to me is on Twitter. Um, I'm uh, Sean Morrison, S-I-A-N-M-O-R-S-O-N on Twitter. And so that is the best way, as you can attest to, because I do believe that's how you... Uh, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> that, that's how we connected. So I'm, I'm super responsive on Twitter. Um, it's, it's the best way to reach out to me. So, yeah. Awesome. 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 Well, before we go, I have to ask you the mission statement of this, of this uh, podcast. It's the reason why I do everything. And my mission statement is use your difference to make a difference. So Sean, how do you use your difference to make a difference? Man, you didn't tell me you were going to put me on the spot. (laughs) (laughs) I I do it all the time. Um, how do I use my difference to make a difference? Uh, well, I think by just doing what I do, I'm a, I'm a black woman who runs her own software development company and who has done so for the last seven years. There aren't very many people that look like me doing what I do. And so I think that that is that is for me the, 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 the premier way that I use my difference to make a difference because I'm I'm convinced that, you know, I could be an inspiration for someone uh, as long as they see me doing what I do, uh, then they also know that it's incredibly, uh, it's possible. Right. So it's good. I love it. I love it. You know, you, you're basically being yourself and you're being bold about your, your ambitions. And that is a great way to use your difference to make a difference. I want to thank you for coming Absolutely. on the show, Sean. Thank you, Tayo. It was such a pleasure talking with you. Oh, the pleasure is truly mine. And, uh, I'm sure that the listeners got a lot of great nuggets of wisdom here. Awesome. Awesome. I'm glad. I'm glad. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, until next week, use your difference to make a difference.
You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.